Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at One in One Hundred. Go to One in One Hundred co for your chance to win killer Patriots, Celtics, Bruins or even concert tickets throughout New England for the price of beer or a large pizza. Go to onein100.co for your chance to win today. Welcome back to the Banners broadcast. I'm your host, Chris Grenham, and with me as always, post-Thanksgiving, we finally get to talk about a win in new orleans nick gelso nick what's going on man yeah man finally something different to talk about a little bit something Something good something good we've got some some positivity (laughs) coming out of coming out of a little negativity actually because we had jalen brown go down on saturday at dallas he fell really hard on his tailbone had a lower back injury so he missed monday night's game against the new orleans pelicans and in came marcus smart there's been a a ton of starting lineup debate for I feel like the last couple of weeks. We've had yeah. people wanting Gordon Hayward out, and the last few games he has been out, and he's been pretty solid off of the bench. I think he's making his slow improvements, as everyone has assumed. But we got some Marcus Smart last night, and also Marcus Morris in the starting yeah. lineup. What do you What do you think about that last night? Yeah, man. I mean, it's just uh, welcome. I, you know, I, it's the second game in a row where Morris is starting. You know, I think he started for Al in Dallas. Maybe I forget. Yeah, I forget. regardless. Uh, so, and then Marcus Smart. I just find it hilarious how Celtics fans and you know we're all a part of it on Twitter. But you know, two weeks ago it was Marcus Smart can't shoot, <laughs> trade him. <laughs> now it's he's the whole root of the difference here uh, from what we saw on Monday night versus. The last couple. That's that's like games. that's like the ultimate debate with Marcus Smart. You see him go out there and he goes to pull up from three and everyone goes no 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 and then he, uh, that is, oh, and then every now and then he'll it. knock it down and you're like yeah it's fine that's fine but dude I mean, he reminds me of Dennis Johnson he could go yeah. one for thirteen from the yeah. field and take the game winning shot it's just, yeah, that's same, Marcus exactly same kind of thing I mean last night of course he's not expected to provide that big punch on the offensive mm-hmm. end he played forty minutes last night which is rare for a Brad Stevens player. He's the right. only it's the most minutes this season in a non-OT game. He had eight points, five assists, and two boards. But it was his defense, of course, which it always is, and his intensity on the defensive end that kind of helped create some offense. I mean, is that the punch that the Celtics really needed? Is this is this the all-seeing fixture? Like, are, are the Celtics back to normal now, now that they solved this problem? Uh, Chris, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I don't know. Some, I mean, the, the lineup change may be what sparks. Yeah. 
uh, you know, them finding themselves. But mm-hmm. ultimately, what I saw Monday night was a change in mindset, in mm-hmm. focus, in approach. And that might be the aggressiveness of playing, the starters playing with Marcus Smart, who was, you know, he was all out from the opening tip. Yeah. But I'm encouraged, Chris. I'm afraid to say it. It's it's like all season we've been up and down on a roller coaster. But yeah. I'm encouraged because from buzzer to buzzer, they just had that look in their eye, you know. And 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 Marcus is right. I, in his post game sound, I think he said something like, "This is the team we we've been," and and they are. That that is the team that that Celtics fans expected. And don't anybody, you know, you know poo-poo the the pelicans either that's a that's a good team yeah you know yeah. with anthony davis yeah <laughs> they know, looked so. they looked a lot like the celtics last night in terms of struggles and how they mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. deal with their struggles it reminded me a lot of what we've seen earlier in the year but yeah you're right like al horford after the game said that's the team that we yeah, looked like al last year yeah that's that's kind of which was encouraging is what he said but thought it was interesting uh Kyrie's comments after the game he was talking a lot about smart and what bringing him into the lineup does. And he started off by saying, of course, they came out off the tip with a defensive mindset, kind of focusing on that defensive presence, which is going to happen with any lineup that has Marcus Smart because he just forces it upon people. But, I mean, they forced 22 turnovers. Yeah, man. They had 32 points off of turnovers. Turnovers. Well, and that's the telling thing because that's where the, the turnovers is the intensity, right? Right. So they were not unforced turnovers. The Celtics... Were like uh, what did they used to call? Um, I think Rozier and and Smart. What did they used Bulldogs or something? Bulldogs, something like that. I mean, that's yeah, fitting. Yeah. That's definitely fitting. But, but it was it was everybody on the team. It was contagious. So, yeah. and, but then after forcing the turnovers, they were completing the play, and that right. that's that's you know. So the turnover, the defensive intensity was there. The focus to complete the play. First time we've really seen it all season. The Toronto game aside, and some little peaks and I think every quarter I was there going I was tweeting out you know okay the real test is now how are they going to come out to the second quarter because complacency in my opinion has been their biggest complacency and hanging their head totally you've been saying that since the preseason and it's been and it's been pretty evident from Mm -hmm. the get-go but you're right at the end of the third quarter the Pelicans went on a quick I think it was like an 8-0 run yeah and they cut the lead to 10 and Everyone on Twitter, including yourself, including myself, yep. you know, how are they going to respond? Here we Is go. this here we go again? Yep. But it was that end-to-end energy. It's by, in my opinion, it was by far the most complete game they've played all, all season. season. But I it's agree. that energy from Smart that's contagious. It's like, it's like, he, it's just so contagious, and it creates on both sides of the ball. And you saw it throughout the game from everyone involved. You saw the Celtics' pace was much quicker than it has been in the last couple games. And sometimes the Celtics start off with a quick pace and guys are hot coming off the tip. And then by the middle of the second quarter, once the subs are coming in and there's a mixture of the second unit and the first unit, it's just an absolute mess and the pace yeah. is down. So that energy kept up for the entire game. I, I also I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting too, real quick. Smart on the offensive end had such a different impact than i thought he would because they used him as the primary point guard for a lot of last yes. night at least in the early I was going, going there so go ahead that's yeah that's where and, i was gonna say go and ahead. i know i've talked about it i've kind of beaten it to death in the first you know month of the season here but i'm a huge fan of Kyrie irving working off the ball off the ball and right. i'm a huge fan of terry rozier working off the ball and putting smart into the starting lineup of course gordon hayward was 
playing with the second unit before Smart came into the starting right. lineup. But having Gordon Hayward be the primary ball handler on the second unit has you know allows Terry Rozier to work off the ball. And the same thing goes for Marcus Smart in the starting lineup with Kyrie Irving. And I think that opens up like a world of flexibility for Brad Stevens. That's where I was going, Chris. I mean, you read my mind because it's almost as if, and we're talking about, okay, how encouraging is the win? And I don't think the answer is going to be told until they play the Cavs on Friday, Yeah, which is, you know, a, a trap game. Yep. It means way more to the Cavs than it does to the Celtics. So, uh, but Cavs have been hot Monday, too. They've got a couple nice wins as of late last week or so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking at the Monday's game, the, the intensity or the, what, what, Okay, so figuring everything out, that's where I want to go with this. Yeah. You know, we had talked earlier in the season about the quagmire. Um, I compared it to the old big three. Like, you know, Chris Ford couldn't play Bird, Parrish, and McHale together. Well, Brad was having a hard time playing Rozier and and uh, Irving together because they both played, like you're saying, I think a lot better or you know, better in this system off the ball. Right. And being able to shift the lineups around has allowed Stevens to kind of start to figure it out. I think you said it right uh, when you said, you know, uh, Smart's allowing Kyrie to play off the ball and uh, what do you call it? Hayward's allowing Irving or uh, Terry. Uh, Terry to play yeah. off the ball. Now, what what does this really do long term? Well, really, if Celtics fans think Marcus Smart should be starting, Gordon Hayward should be on the bench, they're crazy. I mean, eventually it's going to go back mm-hmm. to normal. But what what I think that we saw Monday night was Hayward should, when he's inserted back into the starting lineup, be able to to allow Irving to play off the ball quite right. a bit more, which we weren't seeing in the first half of the season. And on the other side, the flip side of that is Smart should be allowing Rozier to play off the ball a lot more. So that that little quagmire that Stevens was going through, I think, is is solved. But Celtics fans need to tone it down because there is no way going into the second half of the season that <laughs> Marcus this is Smart's the going to be line. a starting point guard. Come on, yeah. man! You got to roll. I mean, Celtics Twitter and Celtics fans are in a pretty vulnerable place right now. Uh, it's, they always it, are, dude. I don't want to pick on the fans. You know, they're either well, it's a diehard fan base. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, they're either winning the championship or or jumping off a cliff. Yeah, and and I can understand the cliff jumping that was occurring over the me last too, weeks. Me too. But you're right. I mean, part of the benefit of bringing Gordon Hayward in last offseason was that he could act as a primary ball handler alongside Kyrie, and that just opens up so many portals, especially for a coach like Brad Stevens, who loves toying with lineups. And he's going to continue to toy with these lineups over the next few weeks and probably past the new year, uh, honestly, probably into so. into January because it's going to take Gordon Hayward plenty of time. And, and Stevens, pretty funny, last night after the game, said they won't be settled on a starting lineup until forever. So, he, right. he, but, he, but it's, it's nice to see Stevens figuring it out to a point where he can now tinker with the lineups because early on in the season, everybody's going, what the heck is going on with Brad? Yeah. You know, he should be changing up the lineup. And, and now he's starting to figure out the combinations that work best for this team. Right. And, you know, I mean, I want to step back just a little bit, Chris, because I, I was yeah. home uh, in Pennsylvania for the holiday. Yep. You uh, happened. I think you were the only one representing our company in Celtics squad <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, during the New York Knicks disaster. Yeah. And I have seen games where the old, uh, you know, the Pierce Garnett Allen have gotten booed off the court. It was extremely rare. 
but it did happen. From what I heard, there were a lot of boo birds. There out were that plenty night. of boo birds, and yeah, rightfully tell me so. About that game, rightfully so. I mean, it was it was bizarre because you coming off of getting torched by Kemba Walker, you expected them to show up and be fine. They're back on their home court and kind of bounce back, but instead they let Trey Burke just absolutely dominate them. The crowd initially was kind of shocked off the bat because the Knicks came out and punched pretty hard. I think they were up 10 or something after the first quarter, and then they put up a 40-point second quarter. So at first it was kind of the crowd was stunned, and then it turned into boos. And as it continued into the third, it was like, what the hell's going on? Like, this is pretty, this is pretty bad. And it was the classic tendency that we had seen from the, the last two weeks where the fourth quarter comes around and the Celtics go into this desperation mode Uh, and they they are able to crawl back into it. Right. (laughs) But there's no need for this Celtics team to be playing in desperation in a fourth quarter against Trey Burke and the New York Knicks. Yeah. yeah, That shouldn't happen. You know, Trey Burke put up 29 points. It was so bad. It was so bad. Kind of, you know, you could kind of accept it on a team that has won 12 or 13 straight and then a Knicks team comes in and kind of takes them sideways. But, dude, like we were saying last week or the week before, this is the recipe. This is what the Celtics needed. Right. They need this homestand. Yeah. They need, you, these, they need the Hawks, the Mavericks, the, the Knicks. The Hawks, so, right. Yeah. And, and, and here, I mean, I, I immediately thought of you. I, I happened to be uh, out for a, a holiday party that yeah. night. So I was, and I was in Pennsylvania. I, so I had no access to the game, but I was watching it on my watching the scores on my yeah. phone. And I'm like, Grenham and I just said <laughs> they need to win these games. Yeah. And, and it man, just, and, and they and stunk you, it up. And you know what? I found myself saying that on yesterday morning. So we're recording this on Tuesday, obviously. Right. I, I found myself saying that on Monday morning. Like, you know, it's okay. Sure. After this, this Pelicans game will be tough. But then they get Cleveland, and they've got a couple yep. easy games here. And I had to pause and say, hey, I was I said that about the last stretch too. And they yep. lost to the Jazz. They lost to the Hornets. They lost to the Knicks. They lost to the Mavericks. So it is these tough stretches where they shouldn't be tough. It's these easy games, and they're still managing to let Trey Burke score 29 points. It was, Aye. And that got really dark post-game. You had Brad Stevens saying, oh. you know, I'm just not sure how good we are. Yeah, he, I mean, that was one post-game where I was kind of – Wishing I was there, to it be was, honest with you, because it was even even Kyrie's comments, which I thought were, I mean, Jeff Clark may not like this, but I loved his Thanksgiving comment. I thought it was typical Kyrie and hilarious, <laughs> and I also loved the apology because it was totally out of line. That was okay. Let's talk about that real quick, and then yeah. we'll get back to this slide because I was right there when it happened, and Clevis Murray and I talked about it on one yeah. of the segments for CLNS after the game, but. Mm-hmm. It, as as all things do on Twitter, it was kind of blown out of proportion. <laughs> I, I mean, after each media scrum, Abby Chin politely was saying, you know, happy Thanksgiving because we're it was Wednesday night. We're heading to Thanksgiving the next day. And so <laughs> Kyrie finished the availability. If only I had kept my phone. Yes. Rolling. Yeah. I, was I, why? <laughs> I turned it off because, you know, I wanted it to be cut cleanly for the YouTube upload. <laughs> And so he, the media scrum ends. Everyone puts their phones down. He starts to walk away. We kind of pave the way for him to walk back into the locker room. And Abby Chin says, happy Thanksgiving. And are we allowed to swear on this? Can I swear on this? No, you cannot swear he, he, he on says, this. He says, he says, that's good to know. He says, you know, bleep Thanksgiving. And, right. and everyone just kind of froze. And then, of course, the tweets started coming and people started exploding 
basically saying, oh, look at this. The Celtics locker room is imploding right now. Kyrie is even saying, to put it politely, screw Thanksgiving. And and it really wasn't. He apologized after. In the last six months, he's been very high about his Native American heritage. And that's just been his his mantra. And and that's fine. He apologized right after. He he jumped at it. He even apologized on Twitter the next day. So it was blown out of proportion. Like who every... do you think made him apologize? Uh, the Celtics or Nike? That's a good question. I I don't really. He know. He was forced to apologize, Chris. You he know, w- oh Kyrie. yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But it was not. interesting because he apologized for what he said. He didn't apologize for downgrading Thanksgiving as a holiday. <laughs> right. Well, let me tell you, last year, and I don't remember exactly how it happened. Yeah, but we were in a similar media scrum. Uh, and it was the game before Christmas, and Joe Sway and I did a segment, who you invite to your holiday party. Yeah. And <clears throat> Joe Sway was in the press scrum, and I asked Kyrie something. Kyrie caught his eye and said, you know what I think about Christmas. Like, it may implied that he had watched the segment, right? Yeah. Which I would, I could see Kyrie doing, and not saying that he watches our videos, but I could see, oh, you know, he's great. pretty, let's, pretty much I, a media. Let's hawk. go, let's go with that though. Kyrie's a, a very loyal CLNS video we know, and Celtics great. blog, and you know Celtics that. blog, yes, yeah, yeah. But he is a media, a media, oh, uh, yeah. Bit of a, yeah, he's crazy about the media, totally. But he took Joe Sway and stomped him down to about an inch, and it was in a similar vein. I don't think he said "eff it," but he said something like, "You know my feelings on th- on." On Christmas, you wouldn't even invite me to your Christmas party if you had one. Something on those lines. It's and, just like uh, an awkward. It creates such an oh, awkward dynamic. Oh, it was dynamic. so awkward. And Joe Sway, you know, he's the nicest guy. Oh, yeah, he's a man. You know, but he, of, of course, I'll tell you another really quick funny story on a bad night. So it's <laughs> opening night last year uh, against Cleveland. Obviously, what happens with Hayward happens. We're in the locker room, and Joe Sway takes the, the visitor's locker room. I take the home locker room now. Having seen, having seen, you know what happened with Gordon, you could understand that everybody was like a deer in headlights. Yeah, and there was a million people in the Celtics locker room, similar to the way it was opening night uh, this year. But yep. anyway, I had uh, <laughs> I'm holding my cell phone to get uh, Kyrie because we had the big camera in the the other in the LeBron locker room, right? And I'm, I got really good up close to him. And I don't know if it was Bob Schramm or so, somebody nudged me. And my hands, I have arthritis. My hand snapped. The phone literally hit Kyrie almost in the face. Hit him right <laughs> off his chest. His first game is a Celtic. Lands on the ground. He looks up, looks at me, looks at the phone. Bends down, picks it up, and hands it back to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting thrown out of here. The guy <laughs> You're going to get tossed from yet. Quick and Loads Arena. <laughs> Poor guy's so, played one game. He just watched his teammate go down with a broken I, I, ankle. I can do Kyrie stories all day. I love the dude. Oh, man. Well, either way, back to we, – we, we digress a little bit, but yeah. that's what we like to digress on. That's he, what I do. He uh, <laughs> just, it, was, it was a dark place. He was almost a little after the, uh, after the Knicks game. It yeah. was a, I don't want to say he was backhanded in some of his comments, but – you could tell there was kind of a passive aggressive like mantra mm-hmm. talking right. about the dynamic and how they expect more from the younger guys who right. were so good last year and they weren't really stepping up and it was an effort issue and of course at some point someone's going to have to step up not necessarily in the media but someone's going to have to say something and I'm sure Marcus Smart has done it multiple times because he seems to act as the the heart right. of this team and it kind of showed last night in New Orleans because he brought that intensity but Kyrie after last night's game was really speaking highly of Marcus Mart, saying that it gave him an outlet to work off the ball. It took a lot of pressure off of him offensively and defensively. They started off quick. 
it I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but they started off quick, right. never looked back. And when asked about his impact on the lineup as a whole, he said, there's a reason we signed him back. There's a reason why he's instrumental for our team to be successful because he's a veteran. Now he's played high level basketball for the Celtics for a few years. So I thought it was interesting because Kyrie, of course, you know, is supportive of his teammates, but he really went in on Marcus Smart last night post game and spoke pretty. As he should, because I don't totally. know what's going on in the in the Celtics locker room behind closed doors. Yeah, but in front of the media, Marcus Smart has has been really the only vocal leader of this team, and he's let Kyrie off the hook because Kyrie does a lot of finger pointing. We need this, and I'm a you know I'm a huge Kyrie fan. Yeah, but. We we need this. We need a veteran, a fourteen year veteran. Next game, you know the 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 young God. What terrible timing that playing. was with the Carmelo Anthony. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and and you know uh, you know the next game, it's the youngsters aren't playing well enough. Right. Well, you know I don't know, I don't know, and I think it's a valid question because I don't think they know who the leader of the team is. Yeah, I I, I think, I I think Marcus ahead. Smart is definitely the emotional leader. And but kind no of one's going to really back. take Smart seriously to the point where he's going to be able to KG call out Kyrie. Well, I think if any Gordon. if anyone's going to in the locker room, it would be him. I don't necessarily see this locker room dynamic as one where people are going to start getting called out. You know, I, maybe it maybe say these struggles continue two months from now. Maybe it does go to that. But I think. Marcus Smart's the guy who would do that compared to the rest of the roster. I think he would too, but how much weight does that carry with this with his teammates? Maybe the young guys a little bit of weight, but right. But with I, I get what you're saying with a guy you like know what Kyrie. I'm saying? Or I, mean, Al. I think Kyrie needs to really step up and be that guy. And if you think about it, he's never been. I mean, he was alone and on a terrible Cavs team, and LeBron comes back, and even though LeBron always needs kind of like a, a, a you know a, a co co captain with yep. him, Kyrie played that well. Gordon doesn't have the attitude for it. Al Al uh, leads by example, and yeah. so there's no real vocal Big leader. Vocal, Maybe yeah. Gordon's kind of quiet on the quiet side too. You're right. You're right. So that's kind of an interesting thing to follow, especially if the struggles continue over the next couple months. But one more thing on Marcus Smart, we could basically just rename this podcast like yeah, the Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart Pod or something like that. I, yeah. I, I mean, I would be totally cool with that. But me too. In in that stretch where they where the Celtics played. You know, Charlotte, New York, Atlanta, Dallas, whatever. They struggled a lot with perimeter defense, specifically Mm -hmm. guard play off of the pick and roll Mm -hmm. schemes. And that happened, of course, Kemba Walker torched the Celtics on Mm. the 19th, um, which isn't surprising because he torches everyone. But then it led to (laughs) then it led to Trey Burke and. They were okay with Trey Young in Atlanta, but Atlanta's just a horrendous defensive team, so they right. were never really in that game. Then it was J.J. Barea in Dallas. And uh, well, night, Barea has been torching the Celtics for, it seems like, 20 years. He loves it. I don't know if it's the Northeastern connection or what, right. but he just absolutely loves it. But Marcus Smart was really good last night with Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore. Yeah. He defended Moore for 14 possessions, only allowed three points. He... Marked up Holiday for 38 possessions and allowed just seven points. Yeah, and he really was great with Holiday. He really was, and he contested 12 threes, which was a team high. And I think leaving him in the starting lineup just for the for the short term, for the time being, like until Gordon you know gets back to his normal self, I think that's really going to help stifle this defense because they have, as Brad Stevens said, a myriad of issues defending the pick and roll up high. So. I, I don't know. Do you think they leave him in going forward? Of course, he said there's 
not going to be a starting lineup until forever. But yeah, do you I think mean, we we'll see Marcus Smart starting say Friday against Cleveland and then I, in I hope so because I I think he needs to be for nothing less he needs to be rewarded. You know and yeah uh, yeah I agree. And, uh, you know I mean I the other thing to to note was I I tend to from home in particular not at the not live at the games yeah but from home I tend to watch Kyrie defend off the ball. And usually he is just horrendous. Yeah, he can be pretty tough. You know, really tough to watch. But Monday night, he was really good off the ball because that 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 energy is so contagious. Yeah. So, and he know, said I, it himself. He he felt some pressure fall off his shoulders with Smart alongside him. Yeah, I mean, so can that be the starting? No, because I I think long term. Smart really gets exposed uh, shooting wise. Sure, uh, I think we both know that. Yeah, um, you'd rather have Gordon think, Hayward's healthy shot there, yeah, even though it I hasn't been great. But it hasn't been great. Yeah. I think you'll see uh, him start against the Cavs, though. I, I think they have great momentum. So why would why would Stevens change it? Does the four day rest concern you? You know, it's Maybe. just typical yeah. that coming off the best game of the season now they have a 4 day rest. <laughs> what a bizarre what a bizarre schedule. So they they got a they really play weird. so they played back to back in Atlanta and Dallas. Then they play Monday in New Orleans. They get basically the week off until Friday and then they go the next night to Minnesota. And then they don't play until the following Thursday. It's like a really weird really, schedule, really, really bizarre. And it's been a bizarre schedule the whole first half of the season. It really has, yeah. Yeah, but I I don't know how the layoff will impact them of course they've been traveling a lot over the last 10 days so brad had a they had a day off today they're expected to have a day off on wednesday and then a full back at it like thursday. a mid-season is the way stevens described it practice on thursday before playing at the garden on friday night so like you said they've got momentum i don't expect stevens to pull smart from the lineup colin sexton's been playing rather well in the last mm. week so he can help with that perimeter defense the last thing you need is for them to get torched by another young guard. I no, mean, and the Cavs always play the Celtics hard. They always do, yeah. I mean, you heard it from Tristan Thompson's mouth. Yep. They rule the East, man. They they will until <laughs> until the until June. Hey, you know what? He's right, Chris. <laughs> they He's will. He's right. They They're will. the Eastern Conference champions until they lose. That's but, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean the Cavs play them play them, they them do. tough always. And the Celtics need need to come out with that aggressiveness they did on Monday night, and they need to continue it straight through. They do. Um, I mean, it, really, to... it, it really it helped their – I know – I'm trying to think of what their offensive rating was. I'm trying to look it up right now. Their defensive rating currently sits at second in the yeah. league at 103. Which is shocking. You it, don't, it is. You don't realize it. And there was, a lot, yeah. there was a lot of numbers coming out the last couple of days about how – you know, broken down by quarter, they'd be really good in the first and second quarter, and they'd yeah. be absolute trash in the fourth quarter. And basically, over the last week or so, how it's decreased. But their offensive rating still sits at 26th in the league at 105.5. So, of course, they have plenty to go a there. A lot of work to do there. A lot of work to do there, yeah. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at The Athletic, featuring in depth Celtics coverage written by journalists like our friends Jared Weiss, Clevis Murray, And Jay King, The Athletic has you covered on all fronts. Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, whatever you need, they have you covered. Subscribe today and receive 40% off. Go to theathletic.com slash thegarden to support the show and sign up for The Athletic for less than $3 a month. It is a no-brainer for Celtics fans, Boston fans, and sports fans everywhere. A lot of people aren't really talking about because Marcus Smart was so good last night. Was Marcus Morris getting the start? 
he got 30 minutes last night. Was eight for 14, just continuing just to be Marcus efficient. Morris. Yep. Just Marcus Morris. He had 19 points. He was plus nine. He had 11 rebounds. You think he gets another start? Do you think we could see Aaron Baines maybe find a not a decreased role, but less spot uh, starts? The issue is, uh, then, then you know, Al Al tends to struggle with a bit with with Thompson. Yeah. You know, on the boards, right. Tristan Thompson has been killing the Celtics on the boards for. He's another guy for 15 he, years. All, specifically like. in the offensive glass. Offensive, yeah. Them. So I don't know that more. And I don't as much as I I like the way they're playing with Morris, especially Monday night yeah. starting. I really, really like him coming off the bench. Yeah, you know, he really adds a spark uh, because he, he he's the only reliable guy right now on BW. Which is I just keep throwing that. Which in. is just insane to me <laughs> that. If you were to tell me in the preseason or in the offseason that I think I did Marcus no, Smart, just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure you did that. Mar- <laughs> that Marcus Smart was gonna—I'm sorry, Marcus Morris was gonna be one of the most efficient and consistent players on this team. I would have told you you were absolutely crazy. Like that was not his mantra at all prior to this, but he has been. And again, he's eight for fourteen in New Orleans. He was great. He's just reliable, and he's actually been pretty solid on the defensive side of the ball too. Yeah. So I could see him getting some pretty solid minutes going forward here. Let's he not forget too. Uh, now, you know, I, I don't know where, where does that leave uh, Jalen if he were to come back? Well, that's the thing. I'm not really yeah. sure. Um, oh, I bring Jalen. I have no qualms putting Jalen on the, on the bench. I said it. Yeah. I said it post game during one of our segments, I think like two weeks ago, we were talking about the starting lineup situation and my vote was to bring him and Hayward off the bench. And again, this isn't for the long term. What I'm right. This isn't a fix for the entirety of the season, just for the short term, because there's some issues here and Brad Stevens needs to toy with the lineups. And I think I don't know about Jalen, but with a guy like Gordon Hayward, he doesn't see getting moved to the bench as a decreased role or as a demotion or something like that. He understands that they're tweaking with a lot of things sure. going forward, and he needs he to come back. He also understands he's not playing very well. He, yeah, he gets that, and he's continuously set his three-point Game continues to struggle and stuff, but I'm very curious to see what happens with Jalen Brown's minutes going forward here because he is he's not been great over the last couple of weeks. He's not been great, I don't think, since so he's had moments. Yeah, but he's not been great since the start of the season, and and there you know he frustrates me to begin with. But yep. the, you know the the dribbling and traffic still hasn't been corrected, and also I'm I think you're we've been working together now almost two years, Chris, covering games. I yeah. think you're realizing. I'm not an X and O guy. I'm a humanity guy. I'm a body yeah. language guy. Yeah. Right. And I, he's I, an interesting I guy you, to read some body language at times. He and Tatum too. The two of them really could hang their heads. Now I think Jason has broken that. The last couple games, he's been pretty good, pretty dominant on offense. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and he and. You're right, though. He, he, he got into that little funk early in the season where he'd have a bad offensive possession. And he'd let it control he, his whole game. Exactly. And he would yep. let it hurt him on the defensive end. He'd get beat on the other end, and it would yep. just be a bad cycle. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think Jason's pulling through that, which is good. But Jalen, I, I mean, if you think about it, I think I, – I don't know if it was – what the heck game was it? It might have been Dallas where he played a lot of minutes with the second unit and he was driving the basket hard. He was getting to the line. He, he actually was... looks pretty good. Yeah, he looks pretty good in Dallas. I think he played like 30 minutes and he was 7 for 9, 7 for 10, something. But like... I want to say then, Steve, didn't Steven sit him down the stretch? Did... I, I well, he remember. got hurt in the early in the fourth quarter. That's yeah, when he okay. fell um, yeah. in his lower back. He said he would be fine to go back in, but that's where well, he fell. Um, but That's, yeah, I agree. It's, it's that issue. Like you said, dribbling through traffic. And then when he does get to the rim, he 
hasn't been finishing at the rim. No, he's so, been missing dunks. Which is rare because he yeah. last year he was very good around the rim. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I honestly would like to see Brown go to the bench, not as a punishment, but also to try and kind of light a spark under him as well because yeah. I don't think he's played nearly to the levels he did. No one's played to the levels they did in the playoffs last year. Right. Here's the thing, and I've been on – when the Celtics struggle, it's it's kind of good for business. Our views go through the roof, and I get called a lot to go on to radio shows and podcasts. But I was on one last week, yeah. And you know, of course, the entire you know uh, t- subject is are what's wrong with the Celtics? Yep. You know, should they blow it up? Yep. Listen, you know, chemistry is key, right? But we yeah. know how much talent there should almost too much talent on this team. Yeah, they're too they're too talented to be this mediocre. Right. We know that intensity, a lack of intensity, a lack of focus, lack of fire, that's all complacency. Mm-hmm. We know that they're really good from playing playing from behind because they have dug themselves out, maybe not won the game, but dug themselves out of huge deficits. They're great all in they're great in desperation. It, all they really need is that one moment to click, and let's just hope that that happened on Monday night. It sure felt like it, Chris. Watson. It did, yeah, yeah. I agree. It's it's funny talking to people who aren't necessarily engulfed in the Celtics' performance like we are. You know, we're around it on Twitter. We're around it at the right. practice we're, we're facility. Kind of dorks, right? Yeah, so and I'm, and, I'm, do it, I guess. And, and I'm and I'm cool with that. I I right. like being an NBA dork, but. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's funny because you go on these radio interviews, whatever it is, and right, they ask you what's wrong with the Celtics, and I'm curious to see how that changes. I'm I have one on SB Nation Radio tonight, and I wonder if it'll be different now that they well maybe clicked be last night. Similar to the conversation we're having right now, what we saw Monday, are they going to be able is to carry that continue? moving forward? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And, and so, I, before we wrap, too, yeah, you know, one thing, and this is for for fans at home, I. Before covering the team on a you know game by game basis, basis. or every game, I used to sit at home and really get frustrated with Marcus Smart. He used to drive me crazy. I wasn't a Marcus Smart fan really until probably 2015 Mm -hmm. um, when I got in the arena every single game, when I started covering games again. Because the things you see him do off camera. It's a lot of little things. Oh, man. And it's stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, but it's stuff that kind of lets you say, okay, let him take the three. Yeah, because I, I get it. Right? So my whole, it's one of those where, you know, I, I could say, you know, bad mouth this one or that one, but I'm also the first guy to come back and say I eat crow. And Marcus Smart, I totally eat crow, and he's become one of my favorite players on and off people, on and off the court. He's yeah. just such a great, great personality, and uh, I know there are still a lot of fans that – at home that you know the minute he has a bad game it's get rid of Marcus Smart well (laughs) remember me saying this because you notice it more in in the arena than you do on TV the guy is pretty invaluable especially the completely the dollar amount that that Danny got him at yeah and for the Celtics and for what he brings to this specific team worth every penny in my opinion there's no question there's no question there's no question there yeah we even speaking of Danny we even had some some people calling for some trades like immediately in the last few weeks. And we had him come out and say that 
patience will win in the long run. He'll be patient. He's not going to panic trade here at all. So, well, here's the thing, Chris. You know, Danny Age, you know as well as I do, he is never going to trade when his stock is so low. And right now, the the stock is very low. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, also, the, the, also, the they're, draft they're, picks they're are twenty one games into the season. Like right. it's it's a lot of overreactions out there. And sure, and, but starting out twenty one at starting out five hundred twenty one games into the season is it could be kind of you know, panicky when everybody was calling, including me, was calling for a 60-win team. Right. You yeah, know, but when you're looking at it from a standpoint of, Ain should blow up the team, okay. Blow it up. Or we have draft we're not, picks. We're not the Wizards. We're not right, covering exactly. the Wizards here. And, and, and we have draft picks that are decreasing in value, and they're going to go back up in value because you know Sacramento's not going to continue to play the way they are. Right. You know, so the, and, and they're going to end up going back up in value as those teams settle down. And then you have diminished value on on your players on the court because they're not Good. playing well. Yeah. So Danny Ainge, I wouldn't put it past him to trade at the trade. I mean, this team almost has one too many good players. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can see I him trading know. for a valued role player at the trade deadline, but only if the if he's going to get back what the player's worth and not basically let the player's poor play dictate the value. Yeah. I. I it really depends on that market right now. I don't see any like. I don't really see any trades happening during the season. I could see maybe something occurring around that Jabari Bird spot if you yeah. know, once his court situation gets figured out. Yeah. He's going back into court, I think, in two weeks. Yeah. But I don't know. Again, it's all how it plays out. They've got an interesting schedule over the next few weeks that, again, isn't that tough. So it goes, I'll read it real quick. They go Cleveland at home on Friday. Then they go to Minnesota. They got the Knicks, the Bulls, the Pelicans again. And then the Wizards. So like, and the it, Knicks are home. I think. And again. the Knicks so are I, home. I, it's again at the. Garden. I feel like that is a gut check. It is. Fans. It is. Go give it to Trey Burke again, yep. man. Is you you know that Kyrie will will want that. I, I I don't know. We'll we'll just have to kind of see how it plays out, especially when it comes to trades. But Nick, I will see you at the Garden later this Friday. week, Friday yeah. night, Cavaliers. <laughs> let's let's get a little winning streak going here, so we can keep up some of these positive podcasts. I like. This yeah, I, I think I think it's on the horizon again. It, there's a difference between seeing the Celtics play well uh, in at quarter by quarter, which we've seen yeah. throughout the entire season, and what we saw on Monday night wasn't just buzzer buzzer, end. but they had the fire in their eyes again. They were scrambling. And not allowing the Pelicans to set up their offense. I mean, it was just classic Brad Stevens Celtics basketball. So there's something in me, without wanting to jinx it, uh, Chris, there's something in me that's telling me Cleveland's in for a, a, a beating on Friday night. Let's hope so. I like that attitude. Let's hope so. Let's stay positive going into Friday. Nick, I will see you at the Garden. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Later. Later.